podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Hello, one and all. Welcome to the brand new Love Rugby League podcast. We are out every Wednesday or thereabouts uh, featuring a big interview, an in-depth sit down with one of uh, Rugby League's biggest names to talk all things life and league. And this week's guest uh, is a beauty. It's the reigning man of steel, the current England Rugby League captain ahead of the World Cup as well. Sam Tompkins is our guest this week on the Love Rugby League podcast. And it's a cracker, especially if you do want to fast forward through it, but please listen to it all. The chunk where he's telling me about Sean Edwards is absolutely hilarious. Uh, so that is that is one reason to stick around for the big interview with Sam Tompkins when he talks about Sean Edwards becoming his neighbour, even though Sean Edwards works in Paris and how he came about uh, moving in as his neighbour uh, is great. Sam Tompkins in really good form on the big interview on the Love Rugby League podcast. Uh, this week. You can download it from anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, uh, Spotify, Audioboo, wherever you get them, or just click on the Love Rugby League website uh, and you can see uh, where to get it from there as well. Uh, Josh McAllister is with us prior to that, a Love Rugby League's intrepid reporter. Uh, we always talk nonsense for 10 minutes or so before we get into our big interview, just to keep Sam Tompkins waiting. And we start with where were you over the weekend and where are you going to be? Uh, for me, I was at Leeds, Josh, watching Leeds Wigan, which we'll talk about in a moment, and also at, at Featherstone, watching Featherstone York and this coming weekend. Looking forward to Summer Bash, where Lee and Featherstone look horns again. And I think I'm going to go to Salford St. Helens on Sunday. Uh, what about you? Where were you? Hi, George. Yeah, uh, I was at Halliwell Jones Stadium for, for Warrington's home match against OKR, and it was a, another disappointing defeat for Warrington. I, I, I don't think anyone can quite put the finger on what's happening there. They were. 22-12 ahead with 15 minutes to go and conceded three tries in those last 15 minutes. And Daryl Powell, it was the sort of same same sort of answers he's given the last few times. And I spoke to Jason Clark during the week and he said that the players are, are trying everything to fix what's going on. They just look like a team who's forgotten how to win. Uh, that's where I was. Where I'm going to tomorrow, uh, I'll be at Wigan versus Hull KR. Um, I feel like we might see a different Hull KR side because they, they had, I think they had three injuries, one of them being Michael Lewis. So I think we're going to see quite a young side. So I could see Wigan putting on a bit of a score, bouncing back from the game you was at. Uh, yes, absolutely. It was a, it was it was a rare pleasure to go uh, back to Headingley, where uh, where I spent many of my formative years as a as an adolescent on the South Stand. Uh, drinking cheap cans from the off-licence just outside the Kirkstall Road end when we were too young to get into pubs. And you know what, it, Josh, it, it felt, and I, I said this to a few people when I left Headingley, it felt like it used to at Leeds. And I know a lot of Leeds fans have been spoiled by the dynasties and the Kevin Sinfield era, but I haven't I haven't come away from Headingley with that feeling. You know, listen, it might not last, but I haven't, I, I walked out happy and with a smile on my face, and, you know, the, the press area is in the South Stand now and it had that noise and feel that I used to have when I was younger. And the performance was brilliant against one of the best teams 
in the league. And Leeds did that without really a six, seven or a nine. Um, it, it really made me happy, that performance as, as a Leeds fan. And I don't know where it came from. And I don't know whether they'll be able to reproduce that enough over the remainder of the season to get themselves into the playoffs. But it was, it was a sign for me that Rowan Smith knows something about how to get the best out of this group of players and at the very least deserves that opportunity, which he now has, to try and get it. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a terrific, passionate, intense, energetic Leeds Riders performance. And it got the fans on board. And that makes such a difference. And going back to where you were, that's what Warrington need. Because you need your... Rowan Smith was talking about having a 14th man on the pitch, i.e. the fans. That's what Warrington have lacked. In fact, they've had... It's almost like they've been a man down because the fans have been on their back all season. It's almost like it's been knocking, taking one of the men off the pitch. It's been knocking it down to 12 and they've been doing it with a hindrance. And I know that works two ways. It's not just, come on, fans, you need to support us. These fans are playing pay the money. They're not just going to support you regardless of the crap you might be churning out. It's like you've got to give the fans a reason to invest in you. And that's what I saw from Leeds last week. And that's what I think Warrington's problem is. If they can start, even the first 10, 20, 30 minutes, do similar to what Leeds did against Wigan. I mean, you tell me you were there. I, I think they would have they would get the crowd back because it feels to me at the moment they've lost them. Yeah, and you can also see that a little bit in their attendance numbers this year. I think once they conceded that first try, I think it was Matt Parcell, it, it was a bit like the same game against Salford a couple of weeks ago when you just felt this sort of flatness and this sort of disbelief that it was going to happen again, but no shock. It was like, oh, well, here we go again. I think it was three tries again against Salford they conceded and it was three tries Hull Carve and they just turned it around the last few 15 minutes. And once, as soon as that third try was, was scored, I mean, even possibly the second fans were leaving before the full-time mm. Utah. I mean, good to see that, you know, the likes of Stefan Ratchford and a couple other players stayed around after the game and they took pictures with the younger fans. That's what it's about inspiring the next generation. But you're probably right there in that it was just a little bit flat. And the other thing with Leeds is they were, they were just good. They were dominant, weren't they? I don't think we've seen Wigan flap it like that under Matt Peat. Even in the Challenge Cup final when they found themselves down, they found a way to come back. Whereas no matter what they tried against Leeds, the dominated, I think, in every area. Yeah, it'll be a big test, actually, of Wigan, how they respond uh, from that. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to sort talk to Sam Tompkins about how he sees the top four at the moment with Catalan Dragons just about getting back to winning ways last weekend against against Huddersfield, but, but having lost a little bit of ground through a, a recent uh, wobble. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The other big story, really, to, to come out of that with it, with the comments made by Steve McNamara, which I actually discussed with Sam Tompkins, so we won't spoil that in the, in the big interview, which is coming up next. But it, it's very rare to see someone like Steve McNamara, Josh, so animated. He's, he's a guy who's he's a deep thinker. He, he chooses his words carefully. He rarely flaps. He's, he's not the kind to do a kind of Derek Beaumont-type rant about this, that and everything. He, he, he plans it, so... To be annoyed as Steve McNamara was about a perceived injustice. Now, these, if, if you missed it, were, were comments that, that had been fed back to McNamara from a meeting between Huddersfield's um, board. I think it was Richard Fulis, their, uh, their MD, and uh, preliminary talks with IMG about the future of, of rugby league and their involvement. And he'd been fed back to Steve McNamara that the comments were that the French teams, Catalan Dragons uh, included, actually gave Super League nothing and they 
might not be worth their place in there. Now we we weren't in those meetings, any of us, so we 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 can't comment on that. But what I can say is that if Steve McNamara is that angry about something, he's normally had a good think about it. So it, it's a very very interesting response from from Steve to to kind of air that in public. And, and I, like I say, I, I won't go into it too much here because Sam Tompkins gives a really good deep answer about actually what the French sides give to Super League. But it was it was interesting, and and you tell me as a, as a rugby league fan as you are, but also quite frustrating if if it is true what was said about by other clubs. It all already seems in a situation where the sport is is, is reunifying after the the ill fated split between the RFL and Super League. It now seems there's more infighting because clubs are worried about their own future, so they're starting to slag off other clubs just to make sure that that they're going to be all right in whatever happens in our sport next. Yeah, it's a bit worrying, isn't it? Is is do you think it's a every club for himself type of type of thing? There, the big talk with Catalans and Toulouse is, I mean, a lot of the fans all they talk about is the away supporters and the fact that they they bring next to none. But then you've got to compare it with the experience you get. I mean, I'm not I've not yet experienced an away trip to Perpignan or Toulouse, but it's on my bucket list. I think that's one of the special things that we we have in Super League is these experiences to go to France and, you know, Catalans bring in big name players, you know, the likes of Mitchell Pierce, James Maloney, who make these headlines as well. So there's there's lots more to it, I think, than, than I, I, I think I, th- I think we leave out Toulouse from, from this debate because they're brand new. We we can't judge yet what they brought because as Sam says himself, they haven't really brought anything yet. But if you if you you take it as a direct slight on the Catalan Dragons, which Steve McNamara purely did, I think it's absolutely nonsense to say that what they brought to, to Super League because they're one of the best teams in the league now. They've won the iconic cup competition. You know, one of only two real things you can, you can win. And they've won one of them and been in the grand final. And as Sam says in this week's big interview coming up, if they don't make the grand final again, they, this season, they're going to be furious with themselves because that's that's absolutely the goal. So, yeah, I, I thought it really regrettable. It, it really frustrated me. And, you know, is it is it is it every club looking after themselves? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that's why we are in this position where the clubs want it to govern themselves and it hasn't worked because, of course, they're going to vote for what, what works for them best. You know, it's kind of what ha- what's happening in, in politics in the United Kingdom at the moment. It's people looking after themselves. And that's what we've seen in rugby league. And that's why, even with the realignment, we've needed this neutral third party in IMG to come in because it doesn't work because the clubs are selfish. Of course they are. It's a business. They look after themselves. And it does need someone over the top to come in and say, look, Actually, we need to come together. This might, you might be a, a little worse off for this, but we've got to think collectively what makes us better as a sport and move on from there. And yeah, this really disappointed me um, for, for that for that to come out in the way it did. Um, briefly looking ahead to this weekend, I'm really looking forward to Summer Bash. Actually, Featherstone play Lee again. And as you know, I've been working with Featherstone this year and I'm a little bit worried about what might happen when those two meet again because because Featherstone were, were pretty ropey again at the weekend um, when they played York. They won the game, but it's fair to say it wasn't it wasn't a lengthy interview that Brian McDermott gave me afterwards. Um, I think his, his assessment was, when I asked him to evaluate the performance, it was crap. It was absolutely crap. And then about 60 seconds more and, and off he went down the tunnel. Uh, he was fuming. He Defensively, they're, they're just, they look shot. They've forgotten how to defend Featherstone Rovers at the moment. And by the way, they picked up injuries to two of their most influential players in Riley Jackson, Jack Bossy, who are going to be out for 
a month or so as well. So I think Lee absolutely dominant now at the top of the championship. And it's going to be fascinating to see what Featherstone Rovers can do uh, in response. Just before we get to, to Sam Tompkins, and we, we talk in depth about England and the World Cup with him, the new England kit, will you, will you be buying one? Let's go with the yes for the purposes of loverabilities.com. <laughs> Interesting one, isn't it? We can't be a loverable league and, and say no to that, can we? Um, <laughs> it's different, isn't it? I think it's got. I think we 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 all said ourselves a bit a bit a bit Scot Scotland vibes. Um, but if we're successful in it, then it'll be a successful shirt, the one we'll remember. Yeah, as a kit, I like it. As an England kit, I'm not so sure. I think it's a really nice rugby league kit. I don't look at it and think England personally, but like you said, if 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 that kit is worn by a successful England side, then it will become the most sold England kit ever, uh, I think. Um, anyway, Josh, I'll let you crack on. Great to great to have you on as always on the Love Rugby League podcast. It is time for this week's big interview, and it's a belter. Uh, as the last few have been actually Adrian Morley was 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 a great listen as was Paul Rowley last week some really fascinating comments and Sam Tompkins takes over the baton uh, this week on the Love Rugby League podcast he is this week's big interview Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7 head on over to loverugbyleague.com Well, welcome to this week's big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. And this week, he doesn't come much bigger, really. The reigning man of steel, a multiple uh, grand final and challenge cup winner, the current England skipper as well, Catalan Dragons fullback Sam Tompkins. Comment ça va? Ça va et toi? Oh, very good. Better than when <laughs> I last spoke to you, anyway. How, is that coming on all right? You're still having the lesson. Yeah, yeah, still having lessons, plodding on. I can, uh, I can get by, just about. Yeah. So how, uh, so how are you, form and fitness wise, at, at the moment? You were a match winner last weekend. We're talking in between Huddersfield and Leeds, uh, I should say, for our podcast listeners later in the week. How is your, how is your form and fitness first of all? Um, both okay. Um, body wise, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I feel 33, but. Um, I feel I feel good. Um, yeah, form wise, not too bad. I think we've as a group we've we've been a little bit up and down this year. Some some real poor performances in in recent weeks, um, which we've sort of turned around a little bit with a better performance against Huddersfield. wasn't wasn't a great performance, but we did enough to win. Um, but after a, a couple of a couple of poor games before that, it was important that we got the win somehow and and. Um, yeah, we we managed that. It wasn't a uh, you know particularly tough game, really. We we didn't play very well, and and we just got through with a win. But it was uh, all that mattered was the win. Yeah, I was going to say you you probably needed that at the weekend. It was you've been having a bit of a wobble. Any idea why you've had a lot of bodies missing? Is is that a reason ex or an excuse? What what's been going on? Um, yeah, look, we've had a few suspended and. And a few injured, um, like like many clubs. So uh, that obviously plays plays a part. But the performances that we that we dished out weren't solely down to that. I think the players that came in were were, were good enough to play. And it wasn't it wasn't the people. It wasn't young lads coming in that weren't playing well. You know, there were some senior players that that weren't doing their jobs. So um, yeah, as a group, we've just little dipped a little bit. Um, I think 
that probably showed in training leading into them games. I don't think we were training very well uh, as a group for a couple of weeks for for whatever reason. And um, yeah, you know, we've had a we had a good chat about it and said we need to turn something around. And and um, you know, we started to do that. It's you know, we've got to that stage in the season now where everybody's a little bit fatigued. Um, you see that with across the board, like you know, Saints having to go to 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 kick a drop goal to beat Wakefield. You know, no one's seen that. Um, there's 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 a lot of games at this time of year. I think we're not quite close enough to the playoffs where the, uh, the sort of excitement and adrenaline gets you through the games, and um, we're we're in that little bit of a lull, and and some teams are feeling it. I think we were, but hopefully we're we're uh, we're over that now. Do you feel it a bit more now when well, when things go right and when things go wrong, being the more experienced head and, and almost being part of the, the furniture and the coaching setup there? I'm thinking last time I saw you was probably the away game at, at Salford when you, you were injured, but you were effectively assistant coach during that game. You were barking instructions, you had the headset on. You know, when things need, need fixing, are you are you shouldering a bit more of that at the moment? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the leaders in our group of, I've been playing a, a long time, um, and and that's my job. You know, that's what I get paid to do. You know, I don't. The club didn't just sign me to to play as a fullback. They wanted me to have influence and, and be a leader, uh, which is is something that I've I've done for a, a long time, and um, you know, it's something that I'm well well suited to. Um, so yeah, I certainly take a lot of it on my shoulders when when we're not performing as a group, and as as any senior player does. You know, we're we're lucky. You know, with the with the group that we've got. We've got some senior lads that have been here a long time. People like you, Ben Garcia or Julian Buske, Mickey McClure and myself. And then, you know, we've signed some experienced players as well that, that can also have an input. So I think, you know, any player that's played long enough um, must shoulder a little bit more responsibility than anybody else. How do you view the top four at the moment? It's uh, it's as strong and competitive as top four as I can remember in, in terms of it being set in. And, and every one of those top four I see capable of being finalists, yeah, I think so. Um, I think Wigan, Wigan have, have proved that on the day they can be brilliant. Um, I think Saints have been have been Saints as they have been for for the last few years. I think they're the the best team uh, in the comp. Um, and I think you know we've we've not had a great season, but we're still sat in third, which which for us is is a is a positive. I think you know it sounds cliche, but I think we've got we've got a lot more to give yet. I don't think we're we're hitting where we need to be, um, but the fact that we we're learning lessons and and we know we've got to improve and we're still sat in third is is a good thing for us. So I'm I'm confident that um, you know we've we've got a we've got a purple patch coming and, and hopefully it's the right time of the year because that's that's essentially what you've got to be doing. You've got to be playing your best rugby at the end of the year. Uh, you know nobody remembers what happens at the start. The teams get good starts in leagues, but you know, it, the, as the league table starts to settle itself down in these next few weeks, that's when you've got to be playing your best rugby. Most neutrals will look at your old club, uh, Wigan and Saints, as, as, as probably being the final. That, that's been an intense and really good rivalry to watch. But if you're not in the mix, if if, if Catalans don't make the grand final, will, will you guys view that as a disappointment for, for this season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be. Um, we couldn't class it as a successful season unless we're playing at Old Trafford. Um, that's what everybody sets out to do, and, and not all teams are capable of doing it. But we are one of the one of the few teams that have got everything in place to 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 be able to do it. You know, we've got 
from the from the owner to the staff to the stadium to the players to the training regime. We've we've got it all. You know, there's no excuses, and, and not not every team has that. So I think if you're in one of the top teams and you've um you you've no real excuse to not do it, you can't see it as a successful year unless you unless you're winning a grand final. You know, getting to a grand finals not worth anything really. Uh, I mentioned Steve McNamara. Can I can I ask you about what he said after that game last weekend against Huddersfield? You know Steve really well. It's you know he does have a bit of a temper. He sometimes get animated, but he's always you know he always thinks through what he says. So I was quite surprised to see yeah. how animated he was when he came out and and had a go at, at Huddersfield for for perceived for comments that he perceived that had been made. None of us were in that meeting. He was going on about. Mm. Uh, reported comments made in a meeting between Huddersfield's execs and IMG about what should happen to the sport uh, talks. I'm sure you'll you'll be involved in if you haven't already. Mm. Um, and, and Steve said that um, there was talk of Huddersfield saying that French teams give nothing to the game um, and shouldn't be in Super League, which is an absolute disgrace. He described it as a, a terrible attitude. Uh, people talk about the game being together, but that's bullshit. He said it's it's every man for himself. What, what what's your view on on what you heard and what was said? Well, the first I heard of it was when I read the comments from Steve, um, and and Steve doesn't say things out of anger or out of emotion. Um, as you touched on there, we, you know, we can take a, a tough loss or a great win, and you know, Steve's not doing cartwheels or crying at either of those. It's Steve's very much, you know, he'll think about what he's going to say, um, and you know, he don't get too high and don't get too low, and. And that's the consistency you want from your from your coach. So the the comments after the game regarding what Huddersfield had said, they wouldn't have been, you know, something that Steve just came across and thought, right, I'll blurt it out. You know, he'll have thought through, and um, you know, I'd I'd back everything that he's saying. I think it is, you know, it's a terrible attitude to have. I think we we clearly add add to what Super League's got. Um, so yeah, you know, I'd back Steve's comments and. And as I say, Steve would have thought that through, and and he'd have known exactly what's gone on before he's come out with that. Do, when it, when he says it, it's it's every man for himself, and that's effectively why we've got in the position we have the last few years, where Super League clubs have been running themselves because they just thought the RFL aren't up to it. But the problem is that you know there's people have got their own reasons for voting for everything really when when they're looking after themselves. Yeah. Is that an attitude you you see in the game? I mean, everywhere I look, it's it's people looking after what's best for them, and I don't know personally how I would bring that back together. Yeah, I think I think it's because every club is in a completely different situation, whether that's money wise, player wise, position wise. Are they getting relegated? Have they got a chance of winning? So everybody's got slightly different agendas and slightly different. Um, sort of preferences on, on how things should go. And and everyone does look after themselves, certainly do, and, and that, that comes out pretty selfish sometimes. So um I don't think that'll change. I don't think there's anything we can do that'll that'll change that. Everybody's gonna look after number one. So um yeah, you've just got to hope the people in charge sort of make it make it fair and, and look at things with um you know a real wide perspective on, on what everybody needs to to get from this league and it's not about any one team it's about whatever's best for for every club so if i was to ask you as someone who's who would now call france home what you know so so on this point of what french clubs have brought to for the to the game you know what what have they brought obviously we've got two now in catalan and Toulouse. what 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 have the 
French clubs brought to Super League? What are they continually bringing? Why why are they where they are, and, and why why they why should they be there? Well, Toulouse Toulouse are, are just you know they've been in the they've been in for less than a season, so they've not they've not brought a great deal yet. So I couldn't talk on on them. I think in in terms of Catalan, they brought something new back from two thousand and six. They've been you know in recent years building and being very consistent. You know we've we've won a Challenge Cup, we've got to a grand final. These are things that that clubs that have been in Super League for decades haven't done. Um, I think you know we we make it an international league. You know, there's an M62 corridor that everybody goes on about, and we've, you know, London came in at one point, and Crusaders, things like that, um, and and it's not it's not quite worked. Where, you know, we are a we're a club that works. We've got an owner that puts his hand in his pocket more than any other owner. Through COVID, there's no other owner would have done what Bernard did. I truly believe that. You know, he was getting hit from his his work side. His the, the business that makes the money for the club to, to survive and, and then also dipping his hand in his pocket to make sure the club spending more than he'd ever spent when he was earning less than he'd ever earned. So, um, you know, we bring that, we bring a group of passionate fans and people talk about we can't bring away fans. Well, obviously it's, it'd be a bit of an expense. It's not like driving 40 minutes down the M62 and, and going watching a game. But everybody knows that when you come to Catalan, it's a different experience to any other club. You know, it doesn't matter where you go in Super League. You know, you get some great atmospheres, don't get me wrong. You've played in some amazing atmospheres, but the, the atmosphere you get over is different. It's a carnival atmosphere. Anyone that's been, I'd, I'd tell you that. And anyone who's not been, I'd say, book your holidays, come over and, and, and experience it for yourself because we, we are a little bit different. Uh, just one more on that then before we uh, we talk about something a bit more fun. Um in terms of ING wanting to reinvent rugby league, if, if they spoke to you as the England captain, they might have done already. I don't know. You know what would you be what would you be saying? What's broken? What needs fixing? What needs rethinking? How how would how would Sam Tompkins reinvent rugby league? Um, I'd say look at the, the structure of the league. I think we've probably got too many games at the moment. I think let's make let's go for quality over quantity. That'd be would be my my advice on that. I think. We go through a patch where we're playing too many games. We're asking too much of players. Too many injuries, too many concussions come from um, a crazy amount of rugby to be played by each club. Um, that'd be the that'd be the main one for me. And I think thinking outside the box a little bit more, you know, and with with the marketing and how we do things, let's you know do let's do things a little bit different. The Magic Weekend, for example, you know, that was, it brought in a long time ago, really successful, great thing to do. Well, we can't have a Magic Weekend all the time, can we, every single week? But, you know, things along those lines were, you know, double headers or or just just getting, just get thinking of things that haven't been done before and trying them. Let's not be thinking old school. Let's not be thinking back like we're in the 90s, early 2000s, what worked then. Forget that. You know, let's look forward and try and, try and predict what's going to be what's going to be fashionable and what's going to be um, attractive going forward rather than looking back. Right, let's park all that. We'll, we'll talk about England in a second and the World Cup. Um, what about you? And, you know, every time I, I talk to you, you, you you tell me how great life is in France and you're settled there. You've you've since signed on for two more years, one more year? Can't remember. One, one more, one more. Well, so that is that as a player? So you've got one, you're going around once yeah. more as a player, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, so how do you think the next kind of five, ten years looks for you? 
bit like a job in that question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, I'm not sure yet. Not not completely sure. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to get involved in in the media when I finish uh, finish playing. It's something. All the the opportunities I've had with Sky over the years and bits with BBC and, and more recently Channel Four is something that I really enjoy doing. Um, I, I sort of stumbled across it just after starting playing really with with Neville Smith at Sky was was always great with me and and gave me some opportunities which I'd always be grateful for and it was something that I didn't know whether I'd like doing or or be any good at and um and it, it's something that I really enjoy and I love the workings of the media I would you know when when you sit at home and watch a game on TV it's really interesting to me that how, how it's got there how it's produced um how it's how it's delivered I think it's it's a great uh, a great thing to be a part of, and that's what I'd, I'd like to do most. Um, in terms of coaching, I, I always get asked, "Am I going to go into coaching?" Because people presume if you know you've you've played in in a spine position that you'd you'd go and do that. It's it's not something that I've, I'm definitely not passionate about. It's nothing I've ever really thought of doing. But I am um, I'm interested in doing some sort of positional specific coaching. Maybe when I finish. Um, I'd like to work with you know half backs, full backs, uh, maybe back three sort of wingers and full backs. Things, positions that basically I played in, and I played a part in. It'd be something that I could, I could see myself doing. Um, apart from that, it's keep playing, keep keep doing what I'm doing as long as I can. You know, I'm 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 loving rugby. I thought when I when I signed um, 2018, I signed to come here. Uh, for the 19th season, I the way I'd sort of planned it was do three years and retire. And that would have been last last season was my my sort of time. I thought you know 32, I'd, I'd, I'd hang the boots up. That was how the body and the mind were feeling. Um, but it's it doesn't feel like that anymore. Um, I think I've spoke about that lull of of the Super League season. I think I was probably at that in my career as well. Um, feeling like you know I had some good years left in me, but I didn't know him anymore. Um, but at the moment, I feel I feel healthy, and uh, I want to keep playing. I'm I'm enjoying it. There's there's nothing in the world I'd rather be doing than than playing rugby. Um, so I you know I've got a lot of gratitude for for the opportunities I've got, and I want to keep it going as long as I can. Are you still seeing much of Sean Edwards knocking around? Yeah, yeah, see see plenty of him. He, he comes training quite a lot. Um, I had a pint with him uh, a couple of a couple of weeks ago. Down on the beach, I was I was waiting for my waiting for my takeaway with my mates. Actually, having a, a cheeky pint while I waited, and Sean walked past, and uh, yeah, we had a we had a catch up. He's um, a, a great character. Um, he's a really interesting guy, and it's so so funny. You know, he's involved in um, in in French rugby union, and there's just this guy from Wigan with the strongest Wigan accent. Walking around in his wife beater vest, and he's he's seen as a absolute legend over here already. You know, he, he's transformed the defensive systems of the French side. You know, I know how highly he's, he's regarded, uh, but he's just still a, a normal bloke from Wigan. It's um, it's it's amazing. So um, yeah, he's he's a, he's a great bloke. Really enjoys company. I, I, lo- I love how he he got that job, and they just assumed he was going to be based in Paris. <laughs> he got there, he's, yeah. he just didn't like it. And then he came to see you guys. Well, there's a few Wiganers down here, and it's absolutely miles away from where he's supposed to be working. He was going from London. He was living in London, and then he said they're based in Paris. Oh yeah, it's, well we're we're five. It's Wigan's closer to Paris than where we are. 
So um, <laughs> yeah, he couldn't he couldn't get any further away. He's gone from he was about two hundred miles away, and now he's six hundred miles away. But he actually came to um, to a family day. We, we it wasn't by it wasn't planned. He, he just came over for he was looking around France, basically deciding where to live, and he came down here for the weather um, and came watching training. And Steve McNamara said, "Oh, we're having a, all the families are coming with some food after." After training, if you want to bring your your family, so we had um we just do a barbecue and the kids play on the field and things like that sometimes. So Sean brought his family and then he uh we were chatting and and got, I got a text later. He said, "Oh, do you want to come for some some food tonight?" So about eight or nine of us went went out for a meal and uh, he just said, "I didn't know there was so many Wiganers around here." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a few." Um, he's like, "I'll just live here." So I thought he was saying it joking and um he got in touch with me about a few months later. He said, Oh the 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 builder that, that did some some work on your house, have you got his details? I said, Yeah, yeah. He said, I bought a house down the road. <laughs> I was like, All right. I thought it was just a, a passing comment why there's loads of Wiganers all live here and and, uh, and he did. He, he bought a house and um, he's loving it. His wife Maggie and his two daughters, they're having a, a great time. So um yeah. Something I'd never thought I'd be doing is living in the south of France, knocking around with Sean Edwards. But that's, uh, is, it, that's is, it right the, is it right the first time you came to your house, you kind of knocked on the door and then just ran straight through the house and jumped in your swimming pool in the back? Yeah, I just looked outside. Sean's on his back like this in the pool. I said, in what world is this? Is this normal? But he's, uh, he's, he's great. And it's interesting. He comes watching training. He's probably at training... Two three times a week, right? Um, he just don't don't come and speak to anyone. You just you on the field. He's just in, sat up at the top of the stand taking notes and then leaves. Just watching, wow. And um, I spoke to him about it, and I think what he he observes other coaches is what he's doing. He right. um, he spends a lot of time. He, he wants to be the best coach, so he wants to see what every other coach does and what he sees working, what he sees doesn't. And he's told me before, and he, he's driving round. Um, and he'll see, you know, some an amateur training session going on. He, he stops and watches. He's just obsessed. He's a he's a absolute rugby nerd, and he wants to he wants to be the best in his job. And he takes he takes it so seriously that he's happy to go and watch a an amateur coach coaching some open age team. And and he just wants to pick pick little bits up. And I think that's why that's clearly why he's been as successful as he has because. He, you know, it's something that he lives in, not just a coach, and then leaves it when he leaves the training field. And, and being an international coach is, is different because you go weeks and months without being with a group, um, and then you've got to go in and, and be on top form. So, um, you know, he's it, clearly made a difference to the France France team, and and then that's why. I love it. We, I think we all need a bit of Sean Edwards in our veins, don't we? That 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 passion, Definitely. not worrying about yeah. not worrying about stuff when there's so much to worry about in the world. Uh, you mentioned the internationals. Let's spend a couple of minutes on on England. And oh, what do you make of the New England kit? By the way, I only just seen it this morning. I thought it was a Scotland kit because there's no red on it. <laughs> blue yeah, it's a little bit blue. It's a little bit yeah. blue. Um, blue. But yeah, I think once we've all once we've all got over the 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 colour, I think it's a great kit. Um, you know, kits kits become kits become famous and and uh, memories are built from from what performances are put out in them. We go and win a World Cup. That'll be the most bought shirt, the favourite shirt. It'll be up in bedroom walls for decades and decades. So 
let's not worry about the colour. Let's just focus on what we can do in it. And, you know, if we're lifting a World Cup wearing them jerseys, every kid will want one. And how are you feeling about all that at the moment? Because the days are ticking by. I think we're on about 80 days or so to the World Cup, which that will that will fly by. Yeah. yeah. Are you are you thinking much about it at the moment? I guess it's hard to when you've got the day-to-day with the, the season still going. Yeah, it's... it's um, I, well, it's not hard to, to be honest, George. It's not. It's it's something that's always in the back of your mind. You, you, you know that you want to play international, but the way to get involved in a World Cup is by playing your best rugby at club level. So, um, Sean's very clear with what he wants from, from every player. Uh, the standards that, that he wants and, and you've got to produce it at club level week in, week out or you're not in the team. So it's, Sean's a very easy coach to play for in that regard. There's no guesswork. You know, if people are picked and not picked, they know exactly why. Um, so it, it, it actually, it can sit in the back of your mind without being a stress because you know, you know what you've got to do and, and, and those are all, they're all positive things for your club. You know, you, club coaches can only be happy that you've got it in the back of your mind because it's another motivation to play well. Are you? Do, do you know yet that you're you're captain for it? I know you've been captain the last few games, but we've hardly had any games. And we, so, do, do you yeah. know your? Are you are you captain um, for the World Cup? No, you've been told no, no, not that I've I've been captain for the last however many months, but I don't know when when he names a squad. I'm guessing he'll, he'll name the captain. Um, yeah, it's nothing never never really discussed. But that would be, I'm I'm sure a an enormous honour for you if you were the chosen man. Yeah, oh, unbelievable. Um, you know, I've been I've been the captain for two exiles games, um, and it's you know it means a great deal to me. I'm I'm passionate about being being English and, and representing in my country. It's the pinnacle of the career, and it, it's said it's said by every player. And I don't know whether that gets diluted. People think it's just the right thing to say, but yeah. it feels different playing for your country. When you pull on that jersey and you sing the national anthem and you you've got your family in the crowd, it's it's different to any other game. It's like it's like a grand final. It's a grand final feeling when you're playing for your country. So the opportunity to go and play however many games at the end of the year, six, eight games, it's like playing six or eight grand finals. It's it's amazing. Um and to yeah, to lead to lead the team would be um yeah, you know, right up there with, with highlights of my career. But um I wanna be successful. I just wanna win. I'm sick of England being the second fiddle, third fiddle even sometimes. You know, we a couple of years ago we had a great series against New Zealand and beat beating them. Um, but we, we need to come win a World Cup. And if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it on home soil and we're gonna do it this year. This is our chance. It's there'll be no more waiting, you know, for the next one. It's too far away. I definitely won't be playing in the next one. Um, not for England anyway, I might squeeze in French squad. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's. I just want to win. I win. I, I I hate I hate losing in any jersey, and I've I've lost to Australia and New Zealand too many times in England jersey. So um, yeah, I I want to do everything I can to win it. Uh, how are you with uh, the odd Aussie voice in the team? What, what did you make of Victor Rambley's uh, inclusion? I spoke to James Graham after that news was announced, and he, he could not have been more excited. It, it was like his his young protege had just got in the team, and he wanted to, everyone to know how good he was. Yeah, I think um, it's got to be done on a personal personal basis of why why somebody wants to represent England. We don't want to be a team that's oh, I can't play for my main country, so I'm going to go and play for England. But um, all I know of him is his dad's from Sheffield, 
that wants to represent his is is that side of his family, which you know I'm I'm all for. I remember Pat Richards playing for Ireland, and it was a it was a running joke of oh you you're an Aussie, you're not Irish. But when you speak to Pat and you speak to his mum, his mum sounds like she's arrived from Ireland yesterday. You realise <laughs> that you know he is he's he's Irish. He's got as much Irish blood in him as Aussie, Pat Richards. So you know once you learn about a person, you can you can change. So um, yeah, I've 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 certainly no no qualms with it. I think you know we we want the best possible seventeen in England jerseys and. As long as they're the right people that are playing for the right reasons, then it doesn't matter how daft their accent is. Uh, what about James Roby? Is he gonna is he gonna come back and play? I don't know. I don't know. I think Sean's Sean's ringing him twice a day. I think at the moment asking if he's if he's available. Um, I, I can't I understand know. why he wouldn't. And like I've said this to James himself. He's so coy on it. It's like why wouldn't you? It's like you're still the mm. best nine. You've got a chance to play. Otherwise, you're just going to be sat like me, watching it on TV, when you could be starting at nine. So I, I don't understand why he wouldn't play. I think if he's fit, he'll play. Yeah. I think I think the temptation would be too big, only from what I what I would be. If I was getting picked to play in a World Cup, I'd. it doesn't matter how I was feeling, you know, what stage of my career, if I was retiring, if I wasn't, I'd, I'd be playing. So I think, you know, Rob is a competitor, that's clear. That's what's made him. That's what's put him ahead of, of anybody else for a long, long time. He's he's ultra competitive, ultra consistent, um, and a, a great player. So I can't see why he wouldn't like you say, but it's it's personal choice. And and if he doesn't, you know, we we've got some other great nines in the competition that will that'll go and do a job. So um, you know, I don't think you know, we, we don't need to be worrying too much. If he plays brilliant, if not, we've got other people. Uh, just a, a few other thoughts then, just before we uh, before we wrap up. Um, we, we're recording this, like I said, a few days before you play your, well, other than Saints, your favourite team leads. Um, and you said to me this was a good week to record the podcast because you didn't have to do much training because it's only leads. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Do, do, you still, do you still love all that? Have you, do you still, are you still hated? Or have, have people mellowed to you as you've, have you kind of got older and... You're less provocative, perhaps, as than you were when you were a younger lad. I I, I hope they've not mellowed. Um, I I don't know really. It's it's something that I've I've caught for a long time, certainly from Leeds fans. I don't really know why it started. Um, a little bit sticking well, the well, fingers you, up. You, and, yeah, I was going to say you showing yeah. the fingers to the south side might have had something think, to do with it. Yeah, I I think they started it. You know, it's one of them where you can't <laughs> remember who started an argument. I think I think they started it. I'll be honest. I can't remember. It could have been me, but um, yeah, it's it's pantomime, pantomime stuff. It's not real life, so it's nothing that that worries me. Um, the, the the French lads love it when we we run out for a warm up. We warm up in front of the away fans. Um, depending what team you play, they've got a, a variety of songs that they'll sing to me, and um, they get translated into French, and they and they love it. Um, you know, there's some. Some classics, Tompkins is a something, and it goes on pretty loud. And the the boys, Fuad Yaha, every time he, he as we run out for warm up, he makes sure that he stood behind me because he wants to see what <laughs> what it's like. Um, yeah, it's oh, it's nothing, nothing new. Um, yeah, I hope a few Leeds fans come over and 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 give me some uh, attention this week. Well, I, when I asked you about this on on the podcast we did for the mental health charity, State of Mind last summer, I think you said something really 
really nice about dealing with hate, especially online hate, but it's not real. And you likened it to seeing a character out of Coronation Street, seeing Roy yeah. Cropper in the street and not liking Roy Cropper, so having a go at the actor and berating the actor for it. And that stuck with me, that, because it's it's not real life. But it is still real when you hear it. So it's a special kind of person, I, I find, that can deal with it in the manner that you do. And I tell, well, you know, I, I tell everyone, like, Sam's a really, really nice bloke. Why do you, why, why the hate? But then on the other side of it, I know you don't care. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't care less. And the same as if Dave Twenty Eight writes me on Twitter and calls me a wanker, is the same as someone <laughs> shouting from, from Row Z, Samuel Wanker. It doesn't matter. It's not real life. No one, no one, no, people don't know me. People don't spend time. The only people that I care about know me. Is a person so they don't see me doing my job for an hour and a half once a week so um yeah it's not real life social media is not real life abuse from fans is not real life doesn't mean it's all right though but uh, you know no. I, I completely get your point about dealing with it but it still doesn't mean it's all right um we, we, we're pretty much out of time i, I always finish these podcasts and, and as always mate i really appreciate your company we, i always finish with the same question on these about lessons that rugby league has taught us that has served us well in life as you know and made us the people we are um you're someone who's been immersed in rugby league your your entire life so you know what have you taken out of the sport into life that has has made tom sam Tompkins a, a good bloke what what lessons has the sport do you think that taught you that's made made you the man you are um i think hard work hard work is is something that um any walk of life, you, you're never going to be successful without. I think from a from a young age, going into an academy system at Wigan, I remember getting a shock at 16. It was it was brutal, and you had to work hard. And sometimes you couldn't see the, the sort of the fruits of your labour, but you just had to do it. And eventually, it all comes good. And I think you know, outside of that, whether it's working on, you know, relationships, your family. And you know, getting stuff done in life outside of rugby, you know, just work hard at things and keep on going. You know, the four of averages say if you if you keep trying long enough, you you're going to succeed. So I think that's what it's for me. I think I've got a, a good work ethic, and um, that's that's sort of transcended from from my uh, from my rugby into into my life. Sam, I will let you enjoy the rest of your day. I really appreciate your company. Thanks for coming on. Um, the Love Rugby League podcast this week uh, and the best of luck as well for the rest of the season with the Dragons Cheers thank you Matt Sam Tompkins it was this week's big interview and we will see you next week Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast Know someone who shares our collective love for Rugby League Let them know about this podcast And make sure to subscribe So you don't miss the next episode Eager for more Rugby League news? Visit loverugbyleague.com Sports Social Podcast Network